I ask the questions, you answer the questions. Anything that can't be verified, I send to my researcher. So, how long have you been dead? Good evening, and welcome to the Blood Suite. What's up, y'all? I am Brain Coleman, your afterlife connoisseur. And I'm kicking off a little series known as The Blood Suite. We will be beginning with episode one of Interview with the Vampire. Help me, sweet. He's in my head, father. The year was 1910. New Orleans. You could say I managed and operated a diversified portfolio of enterprises. Dear God, I hope you got the letter and I pray you can make it better down here. I was being hunted and I was completely unaware it was happening. I've been watching you for some time now, Louis. I can swap this life of shame. Swap it out for a dark gift. You just have to ask me for it. I lay down with the devil, and I can't think nothing anymore. Lord, help me. I am weak. I want to die. Interesting thing. So, uh, get ready for a month filled with blood, undead, and tons of stuff. <laughs> but no, seriously, y'all, uh, thank you for tuning in to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast. This is going to be my review over Interview with the Vampire. Um, I will be discussing the first episode, the AMC series that's based off the Anne Rice book. Um... This is interesting. So, um, Interview with the Vampire, based on Anne Rice's iconic novel, they say, follows Louis Dupont, epic story of love, blood, and the perils of immortality, as told to the journalist Daniel Malloy. Now, in season one, episode one, in the throes of increasing wonder, Louis meets the vampire Lestat in 1910, New Orleans. So, let's get right into it. So, I don't know how detailed or in-depth this will be, but I will say I have not read Anne Rice's novel, and I have not seen Interview with a Vampire since I was a child. So, in my adult life, I have not revisited the movie, so I'm going into this based purely off of the show. Um, 
And it is interesting. Uh, let me say up front, please use the hashtag CBNPod when you're listening to this episode. Um, and when you're, of course, listening to any of the other Carefree Black Nerd uh, properties. But this... Okay, so... I did enjoy the episode. Let me say that up front. Like, overall, beginning, middle, and end, this was a well-done first episode of a series. Again, I'm not going into it bogged down with Anne Rice's um, continuity and story, and I'm also not going into it with the uh, interview with the vampire movie. So that being said, I did enjoy the first episode. Now... I am finding it kind of, I don't want to even say difficult. I am kind of going back and forth with a lot of the events of the show. And that has to do with like personal preference and like personal, um, I'll just say preference when it comes to consuming media. So... Uh, in short, this show follows uh, Louis Dupont Delac, and pff, I'm definitely going to butcher a lot of these names and a lot of this pronunciation, so get ready for it. Jacob Anderson plays Louis Dupont Delac. <laughs> um, Cynthia Bailey will be in this uh, show as well, which is so cool. She's playing Nina. Um, Eric uh Bogosian, I feel like I'm saying that right, plays Daniel Malloy, the the uh journalist. And I really I enjoy him. I am more familiar with him from Law and Order, I believe. Um and I'm sure I've seen some of his um movies in the past. I I did not start Succession. I think I watched a few episodes of Billions. He was in Uncut Gems, The Get Down as well. That's where I know him from. Um, elementary. I remember watching a few episodes of Elementary, as well as the Good the Good Wife. Excuse me. Um, he's done a lot, but he is Daniel Malloy, uh, and I am enjoying the story overall. So we open up with this um, kind of commercial, and it was done so well because I truly thought that it was a commercial before the show started. But it's like a commercial for a like masterclass type of setup and it is starring Daniel Malloy and he's like explaining journalism journalism integrity and what it takes to be a journalist and uh again going into this not having any previous knowledge of the property I thought this was done well you're establishing this character you're establishing that he's a journalist the show is interviewed with the vampire and really quickly let's say I know Black people everywhere are going to call this show Interview with the Vampire. And it's Interview with the Vampire. Like, we have a tendency to, like, alter the names of shows and movies and stuff. And I absolutely love it. But I am sure that most Black folks will call this show Interview with a Vampire. And it's such a minor difference, but <laughs> this is hilarious. So, with the... um. With the, the master class type opening, uh, we get the backstory on Daniel uh, Malloy. And then we move on. Now, when he meets up with Louis de Pont de Loc, <laughs> they're in Dubai, I believe, is where they said. Yeah. In the year 2022, the vampire Louis de Pont de Loc lives in Dubai and seeks to tell his story of his life or afterlife to renowned journalist Daniel Malloy. 
Beginning in the early 20th century in New Orleans, Louis follows uh, Louis' story follows his relationship with the vampire Lestat du Lion Court and their formed family, including teen fledgling Claudia. Together, the vampire family endures immortality in New Orleans and beyond. As the interview continues in Dubai, Malloy discovers the truth beneath Louis' story. And that sold me. Like, the opening, uh, the imagery, uh, Louis being played by... Um, Jacob Anderson, and I know Jacob from, I think Game of Thrones is where I know him from. I can't, I looked over his filmography, and I think that's where I know him from, because I don't recall any of these other shows. Um, but either way, he's, he's good in this role. He is telling his story about 1910, him being a businessman. His father's passed away. Um, he, it's him, his baby brother, and I, th- I don't know if his sister, I think his sister is younger. She may be older. But either way, women's station in society was that where, regardless if she was younger or older, he's like, she's still not in a position of power like louis is i feel like he is the oldest child yeah no 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 they even said that because he's like the prodigal son he took on the burden of uh supporting the family when his father passed away and it's their mom so it's the four of them and he's a businessman and he's like in this little red light district and he's running these for all intents and purposes brothels and we open up with a scene where he is tending to an issue that has happened in one of his houses. There's a white man, older white gentleman, bloody nightgown with a ice pack up to his head. And there's a full figure, black woman, uh, bright skin. Who's, you know, cutting into him. Like, <laughs> and this show is so graphic. She says, he tried to put his dick in my ass. It was something it was, that is the act that happened, but I don't remember the exact way that she described it, but the, it was like, what is this? Let me see if I can't go back. Cause I, I, th- this episode alone had so many things to quote. Um, she says, Lord, what does she say? Oh my God. I don't think I wrote it. Oh, yo, you put a, you put a dick in the ass without asking and that's against Jesus. And I was like, what is what is this show like already but it gave us a peek into like the culture um of that time um what was valued and what wasn't because she was like i wouldn't have even mind if you were asked but you just put it in there and i was like what this is a hell of a way to start but it was graphic in its description and not visually so i'll say um i think the the situation and the wording kind of made up for showing like explicit sex in the first like five minutes so i'll say they did that really well um the older white man says something to louis he's like i don't need no nigger helping me or something and louis has to he like keeps his composure and he says something about like do i um should i second guess supporting you in this upcoming assumption like that just showing that like i am a man of status i'm not just some quote unquote negro and then the dude apologize it's just such a weird thing now i will say that my hesitation with the show does not come in with those particular situations kind of sort of but not solely because when you're watching something that's the period piece of its time 
you're bound to see things like that. Now, unlike a Quentin Tarantino film, I do feel like a lot of the verbiage that was used that is offensive, but of its time was used sparingly and, and intentionally enough. Um, I will say there wasn't a whole bunch of Negro this, colored that. It wasn't a whole bunch of like excess of that. And it, because it, it, I feel like you could easily slip into just like throwing that stuff in there just to make it a point of it's 1910. Of course, they were saying it's not necessary. And this show proves that regardless to your takeaway from it, I think they did a really good job at handling some of those more sensitive topics that were not, um, or vocabulary rather, that was not necessary to get the point across. Um, we move on to Louis going uh, outside because uh, uh, one of his girls comes in like some preacher's making the disturbance outside and you don't know this initially, but we get outside, we find out it's Louis's brother, Paul. Paul is a, um, I, don't, I don't know if he's a preacher, if he's like just really into Christianity or Catholicism because I think they're Catholic. Yeah. Um, and so he's out preaching to one girl about like preserving her body and not going to hell and whatnot. And the voiceover, Louis is discussing this, but he's like, I cannot seem weak to the point where he pulls out his cane and he unhooks it and it fastens into this like almost like sword knife combination thing. And he holds up to his brother. He's like, get the hell out of here. I will see you later. Get the fuck on. And he has to do this to show folks like I'm not weak. I'm not even my brother is going to come in here and shake shit up for me because ultimately he is the breadwinner for his family. And though it isn't an industry that they deem as admirable, his mother makes it a point when they talk at lunch the next day that we're just here until Louis can find a more a reputable or, or um, prestigious business but until then like this is how we're sustaining my husband has died louis has taken over and now he's keeping us with the life that we're accustomed to and one thing i think was missing on me through the first watch is that paul was really suffering so paul is on the spectrum i think i think and i could be wrong please charge to my head in my heart but i think he is supposed to be autistic um, and I say this because I just finished watching um, Heartbreak High, and there is a girl in that show who is autistic, and a lot of her mannerisms and the way in which she acts is translated, like it's beat for beat how Paul acts. And I can see, I, I, like, so again, if you're someone who is autistic or is more familiar with uh, folks on the spectrum and this is incorrect, please let me know. But from where I'm sitting right now, as of this recording, I would assume that Paul is autistic. And so Paul is frustrated with Louis, Louis having an industry that is very much against his morals and against his religion um, with his uh so of course benefiting like financially from that means nothing for him also his sister is marrying some guy who in my understanding is the family the dupont de Locke family is are catholic but this guy who his sister is marrying is christian baptist christian and because <laughs> he says like oh sister he's gonna have you jump in a broom she's like oh i love brooms and he's like so frustrated with her um and it's it's such a I think this first episode, though I have my hesitations and re, 
reservations was honestly done well and it was done well where if this was the only episode maybe change a couple of the smaller things to kind of make it like a full story this could be like a a short story and, and read just fine but of course there's like I think eight more episodes or something like that but either way I thought this was done really well so ultimately Louis and Lestat run into each other at one of the neighboring brothels and there's this young woman who they are both for all intents and purposes courting at the exact same time trying to get uh trying to get her to go with them and it's very much rooted in his time it's not like she's my girl she's coming with me no she's my girl no it's very much just like eloquent dance back and forth with words between the two of them which ends up with them like throwing money on the table essentially like one-upping each other like no she's mine no she's mine no she's mine without actually saying it and Lestat walks away with her um there are allusions to Louis being queer um there is when Louis Lestat and the young woman get together at Lestat's house she mentions to Louise, she said, I told Mr. Lestat that when you visit me, we we only we only talk. And it's like she knew that I don't know, it's kinda it's not hard to explain, but it felt as if the way the show was presented initially you thought that louis and this young woman were constantly having sex he said she's his favorite he wants to see her whatever but when you get further in the episode and you get that scene and she confesses, well not confesses she reveals that oh all we do is talk lestat who's like clearly hyper focused and in love with louis um takes that opportunity to like watch them get together initially he gets undressed, gets on the couch with them, and, like, uses his vampiric power to, like, knock her out. Not violently, but, like, as soon as she climaxes, she passes out into some deep sleep. And Louis and Lestat get to messing around. And right in that moment before this happens, the young woman and Louis are kissing, getting real intimate with each other. Lestat comes and sits behind her. So if you're thinking about like a love seat, there's Louis, who's kind of on top of the young woman, and then Lestat comes behind her, and they're all like on this couch. And then Lestat starts touching on Louis, and he's like swats him away, pushes him off him, and she turns to Louis, and she's like, no, it's okay. And to me, the way I read that is, they may have spent a lot of time talking, but she was a little bit more in tune to what was going on with Louis, even if he didn't want to admit it, that there was some sort of queerness there. Not to say he was gay, because he clearly had sex with her, so he could have been bisexual, pansexual, or whatever. There weren't so many uh, labels to describe what these people were back then, but I think it was very clear that she understood he was, quote-unquote, not like other men, not like other guys, and that was fine with her. And I like, I I don't know, I was here for it. It's like she, and you could blame it on, like, 
her being a sex worker and like understanding that there are certain maybe fetishes or quote unquote perversions or things that men like to do with her and other girls like her. But I chose to look at it like this is someone who she cared for, regardless to him being the one who pays for her time. There's still a bond there. You can still establish a bond with somebody where the power dynamic is a little bit different. Not to say that it is, um, not to say like someone who's abusing their power, but like people fall in love at work all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like people find spouses and have affairs with people at work and there's a power dynamic there with you being in a work setting, but spending so much time with somebody you tend to, that's like where a lot of people fall in love. So all that being said, I, I choose to look at that as like this more softer, intimate thing where it's like, this is the man who I have consistently with all the time. And I understand that there's something about him that's different from other men and I'm not judging him for it. I'm embracing it. So that's the way I choose to see it. So after she gets knocked out cold and to sleep, Lestat and Louis get to messing around. I think Lestat bites him on the neck. Now, he doesn't turn him into a vampire. He's simply like... And this is one thing I do love about vampires, vampire lore, and like people and their different interpretations. He, Lestat, bites Louis, but it, the way I saw it was it was enough to drink from him infuse him with some sort of euphoric i'll just say venom you know just for lack of a better descriptor and they have sex or they're like very physically like intimate but maybe not sex and they're levitating while doing so now this is a pretty well done scene and i like the angles because they're both completely buck naked but the way in which this was shot is with louis in front Lestat holding on to him and the angle shows both of their nude bodies but it was from like is it a three-quarter angle but from behind so you never see anyone's penis you're just seeing like bare butts and thigh and the way the camera moves like it was a really well done scene um and Louis leaves he's frustrated he um eventually confesses you know later on in the episode to the press or that like to the reverend priest whatever the catholic priest that he has been a terrible person now i'll get back to that in a minute so we go on he steps away from spending time with lestat he goes back to spend time with his family i like the way they establish time um, because at the beginning of the episode when we get to 1910 louis having breakfast with his family the sister makes a comment like um a month out from my wedding and am i worrying about my dress or worrying about the ceremony it's like no i'm worried about my brothers being silly or something to that effect so they've they like firmly planted that in a month's time she's going to be married so when we do get all the events of the episode then we get them sleeping together and then the next scene is the wedding it shows you that like all of this time that lestat and louis has been spending together has been over the course of a month and i also like that lestat is clearly a vampire and Daniel, who's interviewing Louis, is like, you never saw him in the daytime? <laughs> Louis is like, look, everything in New Orleans happens at night. The daytime is for sleeping off the night before. And I'm like, man, these little these little things that they're including that would be questions the audience would have, or me specifically, and 
they're doing it in a way where it doesn't feel like exposition. Like, yes, he is a vampire. I only saw him at nighttime. And it's like they're giving you clear reasons as to why, how someone could miss that this is a vampire, that this person is not who he seems to be. And so we get to the wedding and Paul and Louis ends up like doing this tap dancing thing because the sister's like yeah my father can't walk me down the aisle i can't have the first dance with him blah whatever so i hope my brother's will and she pulls out these tap shoes and it takes a little coaxing but it's such a nice experience and i i thoroughly enjoyed it i love seeing black people having a good time and i love seeing like documented forms of like black expression and art and love throughout history and Though this is a fictional show, there is a lot of it that is seems to be really rooted in that particular New Orleans culture and black culture of that time. So watching Paul and Louis tap dance in front of this crowd of wedding patrons and their sister, like that was such a beautiful scene. And truly, I would have loved <clears throat> to have gotten more of the wedding and more of the siblings now it wasn't necessary because i do think that the show did a good job at like giving you what you needed um but i i love that scene and so after the wedding was done and everyone's cleaning up this was like early morning i would imagine like six seven in the morning where the sun is about to come up louis and paul climb up the i don't know what you call these they're on the second floor of the house on the balcony but they climb up things like i don't know the things the little metal whatever y'all watch it you know what i'm talking about but they climb up that to get on the roof of the building and they're talking and paul is like you should get married next brother and he's like eh, i don't know i will see about whatever and they're having this deep conversation they're talking about the sun coming up about um their sister's wedding just it was such a beautiful scene and in my head i was thinking oh this is going to be juxtaposed to the rest of the season because clearly we're watching these brothers watch the sunrise and clearly louis becomes a vampire so clearly this may be one of his last sunrises that he's able to actually view with his own eyes so Paul is, oh, forget the exact conversation. If I can find it, I'll try to insert it somewhere. But they have a conversation, and Paul's like, yeah, you know, you need to get married next. And uh, he's like, don't see that man again. That man is the devil. Because when Louis invited Lestat into their family home, this is another scene that really showed why I feel like Paul is autistic. So there is mother at the head of the table. At the other end, there's Louis. To Louis's left side, there is Lestat, and next to him is the sister. In front of the sister is her uh, fiancé, because he isn't her husband yet, and next to him, in front of Lestat, is Paul. And they're talking, and the fiancé says something like, um, Mother DuPont. Like, he doesn't call her mom only. He calls her, like, mother and then her last name. He's like, this food's so good. My mama ain't did such and such, whatever. And so Lestat is talking, and Paul is like, <laughs> uh, how do you know my brother? And then he turns to the sister's fiance. He's like, and uh, my mother will never be your scientific mother. Don't you ever call her your mother. And it was like, Paul was, Paul was like, listen, 
Say what you want. Paul was getting everybody's ass in this show, and I loved it. Um, he had this thing where he, he would speak to the birds, and I think it may have been representation of like him speaking to God through the birds, uh, but Lestat has this ability to talk, to double speak, where he can speak to you in a crowd, but also like kind of, I don't know if he slows down time or if he speeds up time, but he does it in a way where he almost sort of hypnotizes the crowd at large so that he can speak to whoever directly. He did it at a card game with uh, Louis and his, he was concerned at the way that these white men were treating Louis. He was like, well, they're trying to give you 10% for this business. You worth more. You letting these people talk to you like this. You deserve more. Like he was very much like an obsessed lover. And I could see where that may be mistaken by some, especially in the day and age of like Twilight and these YA properties that are so toxic where someone could see that and be like oh he's so in love he's so protective of him oh that's so cute no that's not that is terrible and that is terrifying so he does the does the same thing with paul at dinner when he's talking about church and because i think um paul asks him like is he a religious man and he gets into talk about oh i've studied this religion this and that and i'm into this i'm insane and then he like it turns extremely dark and you can tell that he has a hold over Paul and he's telling him about how this happened to me and your God wasn't there and this, and it's so freaking intense. And all of a sudden Louis is like, not my family. Don't do that shit to my family. Not and it's man. It's such a toxic friendship relationship union. And it is, Oh my God. So again, Though I have my issues with the show, I think overall it was done so well that this beginning, middle, and end, and everything that leads up in between the, the story beats makes so much sense. So while Louis and Paul are on the roof having this conversation, Paul begins to walk off. And this is this scene is even done well, in my opinion, because Paul, trigger warning, five four three two he commits suicide he jumps off of no he walks off of the roof after having that like <sighs> intimate conversation with his brother about being married in life and staying away from Lestat because he says Lestat is he's the devil he said when he spoke to me I saw the devil like do not associate do not affiliate with him promise me and i think that's all the confirmation that paul needed like your sister's taken care of you're not happy with the man that she's with but you know she's okay your brother has all but assured you that yeah he'll eventually get married but he's definitely going to stop being bothered with that devilish man who you don't deem worthy enough and you also know that though you don't like his way of obtaining income that he's doing it and your mother will be taken care of. I feel like Paul was like, this is it for me. He was so disillusioned and so upset with the way that his family and the world were handling things. But like getting that confirmation that his brother was going to stay away from the start. I think that was the final kind of nail in the coffin, pun intended, to let him know like, okay, I can leave this world. Because there's nothing good coming from these situations but i know my family's okay that's just the way i interpret it maybe maybe that wasn't it but i i i it messed me up 
it messed me up. I was not prepared for Paul to walk off that roof. Now, when he does, they do like a, a funeral procession. I, I think this is second line. I'm not from New Orleans, so anyone who's from New Orleans or are in, is intimately familiar with like New Orleans culture and customs, let me know. But I don't know if this is like, second line or if this is what you call it but they're all in they're in all black walking down like the city street Lestat walks over to louis and it's like interrupting him and by this time he's already in that boy's mind and he's been speaking to him every now and then throughout the episode but like louis is at his brother's funeral he's not trying to be bothered with this shit Lestat is like talking to him picking with him he wants him and he's jealous that the man is not there. Now, another thing that I just considered is the way that Lestat was able to kind of speak um, telepathically to Louis. I wonder if he was doing the same thing with Paul and like with Paul maybe being autistic or having some mental concerns I don't think Lestat is the reason why Paul walked off that building. But I just consider that maybe that is the case. I don't know. You guys let me know once you have watched it and gotten to this portion of the episode. Use the hashtag CBMPod and let me know if you think that perhaps that's what happened. I don't think so, but it's something to consider. Because if Louis is having this issue of hearing, but then also Lestat didn't drink from Paul. He drank from louis so maybe that's the connection but at the same time he let's stop even before drinking from louis was able to speak telepathically directly into his mind so i don't know you guys help me sort this out but i love that part of vampire lore where you um can decide what power set these vampires have and use it very creatively so all throughout the funeral Lestat is mentally calling for louis pretty much driving him insane you can see him like struggling and so what kind of tips the needle is at the end of the service louis walks up to his mother he's like i'll walk you home mother she says no because she's blaming him and has been blaming him since paul died for his murder and the doctor's like no ma'am Paul just walked off of the roof and she's like, well, why was he up there anyway? You must have said something to him. My son was a sensitive boy and this and that. And you must have said something. I'm just like, damn, that's fucked up because she's right. Like he said something, but regardless of what he said, that was Paul's decision. And then like to blame him, like, why are y'all up there anyways? The way they set up that scene to me inferred that those boys went up on that roof all the time. Like that's something they've been doing since childhood. They didn't just start doing this when they became adults. Um, but either way, it was just so sad and heartbreaking to see that his mother was like, nah, you did something. You did this. You're the reason my son is dead. That has to be a hard cross to bear. It felt almost like, and this is a little bit of a reach, but not so much, Boys in the Hood, when Ice Cube's character um, was in the living room after Ricky was killed and his mother was like, you did this. This man was nowhere around. Like, what do you mean? You're the reason my baby's dead. Like, oh my God, it's that was heavy. So when Louis does have this descent into madness where he shows up at the church 
and he's confessing his sins like he's like i am a terrible man i um profit off of the backs of of these girls and true enough i um justify it by saying i'm giving them a place to stay and food to eat but i know what i'm doing this is how my family makes their money um i've, I've laid with men uh, it's like it's this very intense scene shot from inside the confessional and then you hear this fire erupt and the pastor or um priest screams and he's like pulled out of the 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 booth uh forgive me guys i'm not catholic i am struggling to come up with the names of a lot of this stuff so again charges to my head not my heart but you can hear like you literally hear a fire and there's no like eventually you see it but you the sound design was done so well that i heard the fire erupt and it's lestat Louis o, uh, leaves the exits the um, confessional and he sees the pastor on the ground and he sees someone over him and it's Lestat drinking his blood like devouring him and there's fire behind him on some of the um, uh, the pews. Now what's funny here? This is not haha funny. It's funny weird. There is a different priest and I don't know if this is like a junior priest, like a Catholic version of a deacon or what, but we saw this guy earlier in the episode kind of um shining the 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 not benches the pews and louis makes it a point he was like if i didn't think it was beneath you i'd say you should shine some shoes because you shine so well it was a compliment he was like oh you know i'm not against that whatever and so this man the entire time i'm so confused and maybe i need to go back and rewatch it this series of events from as i remember them is Louis runs into the church. He's begging for help. The priest opens the door. Then they go into the confessional. They're separated by that little thin wicker screen. Louis is confessing all of his sins. The priest, you hear the fire. The priest is pulled out. He screams. Louis steps out. And then you see on the ground the, pa the priest laying on his back and someone over him eating him. Then Lestat looks up and his face is covered in blood. When this happens, this other priest guy, whatever, you know, guys, let me know what his title is. He, he stands and begins running out of the church. Now, where the hell has he been? Because my thing is, were you sleeping? Because how did you, with the way the series unfold, the series of events unfolded, how did you, one, not see Lestat come in, two, not see the fire, three, not see the priest pulled from the confessional and get divided. Like, there's so many things that happened where you should have started running already. And if I'm remembering this correctly, it's like, oh, this is definitely just like TV, MacGuffin, we need to get from A to B and we need this to happen. So as he's running, Lestat mentally or telekinetically closes the gates that locks that man into the um, sanctuary. And as soon as that man reaches the gate, Lestat, and this is where the gore comes in, because of course it's a vampire show, there's going to be blood, but this is where the like visceral gore, Lestat punches a hole through this man's head. Like they show it, and I was like, I was not ready for this. Now, I'm not one who's too squeamish when it comes to like gore and blood and whatnot, especially when I'm watching a, a vampire property, but I was not ready for this. And this leads me to believe that I would not be ready for anything else that pops up in this episode that has to do with violence or in this series that has to do with violence. This show is going to put me on my toes. If they're going to recreate or repeat some of these very violent actions throughout the rest of the series, I, I don't know if I'm ready. 
<laughs> like to be quite honest, but I'm going to watch. Um, so then Lestat walks over to Louis. Louis is like trying to escape him. He kind of falls back on his back. So he's like scooting back slowly and Lestat is not trying to hurt him. And he's talking like these people do not treasure you. You are a wonderful jewel to be desired. Like he's just spitting game. And Louis is at his breaking point. He's at his most vulnerable and he accepts and Lestat is like, all you have to do is nod your head. Just agree. And I can take you, I can take away that pain, all the stuff you're feeling. I'm just like, this is toxic. This man has been preying on Louis. And Louis says that I was being hunted. Now, if you flip it on the other side and you show it from Lestat's point of view, it's clear that he feels like he's courting this man where Louis feels like he's being hunted, rightfully so. And I think two things can be true. I think you are hunting him because you come from two totally different eras and have two totally different sets of uh, like values. But as much as he's hunting him in Lestat's eyes, I do feel like he thinks he's just courting this person. And that was intense because even in that scene i was like we know that louis becomes a vampire and we know that by watching the trailer and just by watching the opening like five ten minutes of this episode but i can see where this would be the moment that he is at his lowest he's at his weakest he's at his most vulnerable and he would readily accept this cure that lestat is um, suggesting because I don't know that Louis understands that Lestat is a vampire at this time. I mean, he sees him eating, devouring the priest, but I don't think vampire is what comes to mind. It's more or less like you're some sort of demon, some sort of devil, but like at this point, you're at your lowest. Like anything to take away the guilt and the pain that you feel from your brother passing, from your mother disowning you, from life itself, from all the stuff you just confessed. And oh, Lord, he got him at the right time. Sucked that man's blood. And I like the visual because when he sucked his blood, Louis is a fair skinned black man. I think he may be mixed race, but he's a light skinned black man. And you can see the color drained from his skin and so when louis then drinks the blood of lestat the color returns because he turns like a greenish gray color and then his light skin complexion melanin moisturized returns and it's such a oh my god it's such a <sighs> intense scene um and there we go he is a vampire i'm going to end the review there but what i will say is i'm not entirely certain how i feel about this show overall now i do think it was well done i think it was shot well costume design the story i feel like every scene made sense and mattered you can't really take out one scene without messing up the rest of the show uh but i so i so i think there technically it was really good and done well um my issue I think it comes in with race. Race would have to be my issue. Um, because you could have the argument that, oh, of course, Lestat has to be white. Like, you can't tell this story because of his privilege any other way. But I'm also like, this is fiction. Um, I know it's based off the Anne Rice novel. And I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I refuse to look up anything affiliated with Anne Rice or interview with a vampire the movie before the series is done because I just want to be influenced by this show and not by like the lore but I would imagine that in Anne Rice's novel Lestat and Louis were both 
white. And I could be wrong. If so, please let me know. But there's something about seeing this story. I don't know. Maybe it'll work out in the end in my eyes with stop being white. But I just, I hate this. I like the show, but I hate this idea that there, no matter how much media we consume, there is rarely ever, when I say rarely, very minute representation of black queer men together. And as toxic and as troubling as this relationship is, I still think there's a way to give Lestat his privilege and keep him and make him a black man. Um, so this interracial relationship, although valid, because there are tons of interracial relationships that involve a white and a black person, white and a black man, when you look at the optics of all of the properties that we are seeing, be it in superhero, be it in romance, be it in action, when there is a black partner, specifically speaking to black queer, there's always a white partner with them. Like I can't, if you can point to a vampire property where there are two black men together who are main characters or on the screen for at least half the time with speaking roles, shoot it my way. But like, if you're going to go ahead and do a reinterpretation or a retelling anyways, like be a little bit creative with it. Now, again, I'm not familiar with this property as a whole, so there could be some, a lot that could be discussed and dissected with like the privilege of a white man in 1910 who's been alive for hundreds of years and this black man or this mixed race, man, I don't know, This I think you mixed race, but this black man um, in New Orleans and the culture of New Orleans, I mean, there could be something there that I just don't see. But regardless to how I feel about the show, I feel like it still doesn't negate the, the, the fact that when you look at black queer men on screen in these properties, you never see them with another black man. Like, show me, show me. If I am wrong, show me, because I'm definitely ain't seeing it. The most... um intentional representation that showed two black men together was tom swift and we saw what happened with that so like i don't know i don't know so i i will say that i'm not going to be shy about the race being an issue for me um yeah it it, it is because like what what is that and then let's start like the power dynamic of one let's stop being a vampire and being it a white man and having this money and this power and this hold over Louis where you for all intents and purposes had did prey on this man it's like what am I supposed to be okay with this like coming off the heels of like slavery I'm supposed to be okay with this white man wielding his power to hunt this black man to like disregard his pain from his um freaking brother dying uh from that because if you're in his head and you're able to call to him you're able to see the anguish and pain that he's going through yeah you think you have a solution in making him a vampire but that still doesn't negate that you are responsible for like even the young woman who was the sex worker who he spent time with Lestat murdered her and drained her dry a black woman it's like there's a lot here that is very troubling and 
I enjoy vampires, and that would be the motivation behind watching this series. This Lestat Louis shit, I, it's still it's troubling. Um, I I can't I can't disregard that. And then knowing you're gonna get this little light skinned girl who I think she may be mixed race as well, but she's gonna also become a vampire. It's like, what what is happening? Like. I don't know. I'm I y'all let me know what y'all think, but I'm I don't know that my love of vampires will like carry me through to the end of this series. I truly was watching because of Louis. I wanted to see his story and this I think at face value, he represents a particular type of gay black man that doesn't get a lot of um, serious treatment when it comes to television and movies where, and this is just our first glance, not to say that this is how he is, because I've only seen the first episode, but he feels like a, a slight effeminate black man. And that could have a lot to do with him being from 1910, the culture being different, and also with vampires. Vampires are, like, inherently queer. Like, in a lot of their, um, like, visual representation, a lot of their mannerisms and stuff, because they're so ancient and old, and, like, that kind of translates to the more effeminate men of, like, contemporary times. But I wonder if he is going to be this effeminate, softer, queer, black man, albeit still light-skinned, but... Um, I wonder if that's the way, the direction that they're taking this character, because he even admits that he never considered himself a homosexual man until much later in life. And so I wonder if there's like going to be any exploration behind that and being, because I think he also mentions like being a black, gay, slash queer, because I don't know if they use gay or queer, I think they use queer, um, black man in the public eye like that was not something that he could be so i'm i think my love of vampires and my curiosity behind how louise's story will be handled is what will carry me through the next few episodes because the start i could give a damn about him kill him immediately he is not necessary he is a predator get him out of here um but, yeah, I find that interesting. Also, something I didn't mention is that Louis and uh, Daniel have spoken before. Like, when they speak now, at the beginning of the, the show, they spoke before, I think, 30-plus years ago, when they were both younger. They started having this interview, this conversation, and it didn't work out well. So that's also a storyline that I'm interested to see unfold. So, all in all, that was, that was an interesting first episode. And you guys let me know, what do you think? Like, after you watch the show, do you agree with some of my thoughts? Did you hate it? Did you love it? Um, who's your favorite character? You know, and and just tell me how you feel. Use the hashtag CBMPod. But uh, thank you all for listening, man. This has been great. Hit me up on Twitter, Carefree Blurred. TikTok, Carefree Blurred. Everywhere else, Carefree Black Nerd. And uh, if you have to email me, do so at carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. Put something in the subject line letting me know what it's in reference to. But until next time, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and please stay away from white men who you only see at night with golden eyes who are able to talk to you directly into your mind because clearly there's something going on. <laughs> this ain't no Avenger. This is a predator. Uh, but thanks, y'all. Have a good one. <laughs>